Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Hey family, God bless you. I am so excited to be bringing part two of our series titled Home for Christmas to you today. And you know, before I dive into the message, I want to take the opportunity to highlight how special a moment this actually is. Even though I'm coming to you um, on a screen today, this is a huge um, point of, of, of impact in the history of our ministry. You see, in a few weeks, we're going to be having live church across the waves, across state lines, one church in two cities. We'll be preaching live from here to there and live from there to here. And this is kind of like a, a, a such a great opportunity for us as a church because when we started the Chicago Tabernacle, other churches did their part to build us up and to support us for the purposes of expanding the kingdom of God. How many know that we are called to build the kingdom? Jesus wants to build his church. That's God's will and purpose. We play a, a role in that while during our days here on the earth. And, and that's literally what's happening right now as we speak. And I hope you will get excited. Uh, this past week, I, I received the pictures of the sanctuary in Philadelphia, it's painted and the screen is up and, and the technology is in and, and things are moving quickly. People are getting saved there. People are getting baptized. Pastor Josh and Susie are leading them well and raising up leaders. And you know, I, I was talking to, to June today and he, he mentioned how he had dinner with Danny and Vanessa Cancel. And um, it's possible that, I don't know, 60% of the people uh, in the room right now don't know who Danny and Vanessa Cancel are. Well, they happen to be two people who came to Chicago Tabernacle when we were in our infancy and they worked so hard along with Pastor Armand and now his wife, Julie, he actually met Julie at the church. They got married. Now they're pastoring Bethel, you know, a couple miles, uh, uh, some miles away from here today, but they were like the builders of the church. They, they were laying brick by brick, building up the kingdom of God. And, and here we are in this place, in this facility, offering so much ministry to this community. There's so much ministry that goes on, but we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for people like them and if, if it wasn't for the sacrificial giving of people that came, that gave from all over the nation, literally. And now we get to be that church to a church in Philadelphia. We are one church in two cities, but we get to be such a primary support for them. And, and uh, this actually does fold in wonderfully with today's message. But let me say this. So I was reading in my devos this morning, 
And Paul was talking to the Philippian church and he was thanking them because the Philippian church was special to Paul because they supported him in a way that the other churches didn't. And he even highlights, I believe in, in a chapter, Philippians chapter four, he, he highlights how they um, provided for him so that he could minister to the church in Thessalonica. And so the Thessalonian church was really supported by the Philippian church and they did it um, uh, sacrificially, generously, gladly. So let's be glad that we get to build the kingdom of God. And I wanna say one more thing about this. You know, it's part of us staying healthy. If we're gonna be a healthy church, we just can't be in, in, in. How many know a healthy church is out, out, out? Come on, let's put our hands together if we believe that today. That is the nature of the heart and the love and the kingdom of God. So that perfectly sets up what I wanna talk to you about in today's message. Last week, we talked about how home is a person and when Jesus is our home, he gives us shelter and he nurtures us in private. If you're watching online or, or if you were not here last week, please go listen to that message because it is so personal and I think the truth of it is really powerful to who Jesus really wants to be to us. Jesus literally wants to be our home. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory, the closest friend that you and I could ever have, the, the, the closest father, the closest parent, helper, coach, counselor, uh, 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 the one who empowers us and strengthens us and protects us. Jesus wants to be all of those things deep inside of us first so that we could be good in him and then we could be a blessing to others wherever we go. And so this week we're gonna keep building on that and today's focal points at one level can really simplify our lives. They, they provide this incredible framework for our faith. So let's turn and look at the same pattern as last week of prophecy and fulfillment in the birth of Christ. And we're going to be discovering what Jesus wants to be and do for all of us, not just at Christmas, but all year long. These are principles, abiding principles for all year long. Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, just six verses, but really powerful. Let's read. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, now King Herod is a major player in all of this, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I was talking about this last week during the... Uh, the offering, Magi, the Magi were significant. They were called wise men. They were very significant leaders 
who, although they were successful in their own right and leaders and, and um, they, they were very well-to-do, they were affluent men. In other words, their lives, uh, the way they chose to live their lives brought them great success and they lived with plenty. They still said, we have heard from God and they were seeking the true king and they called him the king of the Jews. And they came, so they go to King Herod and they say, Where, where's the king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. We've come to worship him. That's what should happen when we get in the presence of the king of glory. Now, let's keep going. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed <clears throat> and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Now I need to point out that what Herod did when they asked him this question, he didn't know. He went to the men of God who studied the law of God, the law and the prophets. There was really no New Testament yet. This was the formation of the New Testament. But he went to those who knew the Bible and fundamentally, he was acknowledging the prophetic authority of the word of God. Because he was saying, where's, where's the king of the Jews supposed to be born? Where is the Messiah? They were expecting the Savior to be born. Here's the, here's the way it, it unfolds. In Bethlehem, in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, I are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is the key verse. I want to read it one more time. He says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So here's what we see. What we see is that Jesus made a journey to earth in order to take us on a journey to heaven. Jesus made a journey to earth in order to take us on a journey to heaven. The moment we become the children of God, the moment we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, we begin, we begin a journey that starts here and then we live life down here and then he takes us on this journey to our ultimate home. Anybody here happy that Jesus had pre has prepared a place for us? Anybody here happy that even though we live in an, in, in an imperfect world, we are going to heaven that will be perfect, no more tears, no more sorrow, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Can we praise God for the day that we get to heaven? Hallelujah. I can't wait to get there, to walk on streets of gold and to not even need a son because the glory of God himself will be all the light that we live by. In my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place. He's preparing that place but Jesus came to take us on this journey. And that's why the title of my message today is Home is a Journey. 
Home is a journey. Last week we talked about the fact that home is really a person. You're at home when you're at home with Christ. But then also Jesus wanted to teach us that home is a journey. The the Bible has always described it like this. And home is a journey which Jesus came to be the captain of. He came to be the captain of our journey. And, and let me, let me um, uh, I'll give you a few quick examples. And if you really want to understand the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if, really, if you really want to understand the Bible, you've got to know this about the ways of God. So let's start with the father of our faith, Father Abraham. Look at what the Bible says. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you and I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. The life of faith, Abraham was the father of faith and guess what, the minute he had a true meeting with God, it started a journey. And when you meet God, when you become a child of God, you have to understand that you are starting a journey and he's the captain of that journey. We're going to talk about that today. Let me give you another example. Psalm 114 puts it this way. <clears throat> when the people of Israel left Egypt, now let's go back in, in the Old Testament to when they were slaves in Egypt. How did Israel become Israel? A nation. How did they become the nation of Israel? It says, when the people of Israel left Egypt... When Jacob's descendants left that foreign land, watch this, Judah became the Lord's holy people. Israel became his own possession. In other words, when they started the journey of following God, he led them out of Egypt. Anybody here happy that you've been led out of your own Egypt? We are no longer slaves. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Hallelujah. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, but free for what? Free to go on God's journey. And so morally, they became his holy people. And then relationally, they became his possession. In other words, when you have a child, you say, my daughter, my son, well, so does God. God says, my children. God says, my daughter, my son, just the way we do. We get that from him. And we follow him, and he takes us on this journey. One more one more, Mark 14, 9 says this. Jesus meets the disciples. Now we're into the New Testament. And guess what? He says, come and follow me, Jesus said. How did it all begin for the disciples? They started on a journey. He said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. It's a journey with a purpose. It's a journey with a plan. Do you know God has a plan for our lives, each and every one of us? He has this beautiful, special, powerful journey. And so what you and I need to know, and I'm, I want to pray in a moment, but what we need to understand today is that any deep connection with God activates his journey for our lives. So here, here's, a, here's a quick question. Who's the captain of your life? Who's the ruler of your life? Who's the shepherd of your soul? When you think about Christmas, 
uh, uh, brothers and sisters, that is a phenomenal question to lay against the background of Christmas. Because in the Christmas season, Jesus always wants to remind us that he came to rule, he came to shepherd, he came to take us on this journey that he's the captain of. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, Barna Research says that that the Christmas season is, is a season where people, in a sense, find their way back to God, they find their way back to church, and in a sense, they restart their journey with God. And you know what? If you haven't been really close to God, take advantage of this season and restart your journey with God. Before I pray, I want to say two more quick things. Number one, I want to emphatically state that it is possible, okay, in, in, uh, in the city of Chicago, it is possible in New York and Philadelphia and L.A. and wherever you find yourself, it is really possible to be a person who's very successful, to be a person of great impact and purpose, and yet have Jesus as your total leader and shepherd. It's possible. There are people right here in this congregation that are, 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 are really making it and really doing awesome things uh, uh, for God and through their careers and through their lives and making a difference. And, and yet, even though they are successful and they are at the top of their field, still Jesus is their total ruler, leader, and shepherd. I want to say again, we'll pray in a moment. It is possible to meet Jesus, the son of the living God, who came to take us on this journey. To meet him on the platform of our own brokenness, of our own sinfulness, of our own personal uh, ruination, if I, could, if, I, if I could put it that way, like we literally have ruined our lives. It's possible to meet him there. He will meet you anywhere that you wanna meet him. It's possible to meet him there, start the journey and find your way from brokenness, from darkness, from depression and defeat, find your way into a sense of peace and fruitfulness for the glory of God. That's what Jesus offers. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to take us on this wonderful, wonderful journey. And can I, can I just say this and then we'll pray. Even in psychology today, there's, a, there's an article titled, Where is Your Home? And it states, researchers have concluded that there was no established definition of home, but rather it is a place where people feel attached, comfortable, and secure. Can I tell you something? Jesus addresses our state of being better and more deeply than anyone else. Okay? And and. Home is a person, and, and home is not just a person. Home is the person of Jesus Christ taking us on a very special journey. That's exactly one, what he wants to do. If you want your life to have meaning, impact, fruitfulness, okay, joy and peace, 
then Jesus is the perfect leader. I'm gonna talk about that today. He never promised us an easy life, but he does promise us impact for the glory of God, fruitfulness for the glory of God, ultimate rest and eternal rewards. And only Jesus can deliver on that promise. So could we just lift our hands right now? If you're watching online, just lift your hands wherever you are. And what we wanna do is we wanna be open to the journey that Christ has for us. It is the best life. It is the, the most meaningful, the most impactful life. Home begins with the person and that person becomes the captain of our journey. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today that when you sent your son to the earth, he came to lead us. He came to be our ruler. He came to be our shepherd. He came to be our governor, but yet our gentle shepherd at the same time. And God, I pray today that you would help us to take that journey with you. There is no better life. There's nothing more exciting, more wonderful, Lord, more challenging, oh God, and yet impactful than living for you and following you. So Father, would you bless this word to all of our hearts? If someone is far away from God, if someone has been drifting, God, may they restart the journey. God, if someone is locked in, would you strengthen our connection to you so that we could follow your voice, O oh Lord, more clearly. God, bless this word, bless our time. Use this Christmas season, O oh God, to lock us in on the king's highway, on the road and pathway of righteousness, Lord. On, and lock us into your plan and purposes, O oh God. Do it by your mighty power. Thank you for this season and thank you for this moment. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And can I tell you something? There is nothing like following Jesus. There is nothing like following Jesus. Follow the Lord and you will have the best and most exciting and wonderful life. Yes, hardships and challenges for sure, but, but man, you will bear fruit and fruit that will last. So what are we gonna cover today? Very quickly, it's two points. When we're on a journey with Jesus, two key things happen. And the first one is he becomes our leader because Jesus came to lead us. Everyone say ruler. Says the, the Bible is emphatic. From Bethlehem, a ruler will come. One who will rule over my people. Ruler means one with authority or command over another, a person exercising government or dominion. It's like he's a governor, he's a leader, he's the ruler. So who's the leader of your life? Are you following the leader? Jesus wants to be the leader of your life. How do you know? Last week was who's your shelter, this week is who is your leader? 
Let me, let me explain something. Other philosophies and religions are often accompanied by the, by the term practice. In other words, some people say, I practice meditation. I practice Buddhism. Um, but how many know we don't practice Christianity? Christianity is not a practice. Christianity is a surrender to a leader. We surrender to his lordship. Jesus is Lord and Savior. And when we accept him as Savior, we surrender to his lordship. And then we follow him as best as we can all the days of our lives. Amen. This is not like, oh, I practice. This is a whole entire life surrender surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. We don't practice, we surrender and we follow, amen? Look, having Jesus as your ruler is one of the most challenging things and safest things all at the same time. And here's the reason. It's challenging because in our human nature, we love independence. We love me. We love mine. You know, kids love to say, no, that's mine, that's mine. Uh, uh, we love to say, I want it my way. Uh, um, I want to do it my way. I did it my way. We love that. But when you start to understand that Jesus came to be the best leader of our lives, once you can yield to that challenge and say, Lord, have your way in my life, it also becomes the safest way to live. And the reason being is no one can lead us and guide us better than Jesus but he has to be the ruler. He has to be the leader. A lot of people struggle with the lordship of Jesus Christ, but it really is the best life. And when you think about the lordship of Jesus Christ, just know that Jesus doesn't want to rob you of pleasure. He doesn't want to rob you of joy. He doesn't want to rob you of blessings. Actually, he wants to lead you into all of those things, but in a way that, that you're not denigrating yourself or someone else, in a way that you're not hurting yourself in the long run. All of it is for our good, going from strength to strength and from glory to glory. You know, when I think about this, it causes me to remind everyone here, look, if you ever want to understand the devil's schemes, here's what you do. Look at what God's declared will is in the Bible and then listen and, and watch for the opposite. Because the enemy always wants to do the opposite of what God's will is. He always wants to lead us into that direction. So let me build this argument. We live in a world that is fascinated by leadership and yet it's run by dysfunctional leadership. Okay, it's run by dysfunctional leadership because people keep ignoring the true leader of the universe. People keep ignoring the perfect example and, 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 and the one who literally wants to personally lead us. We want to lead other people. We love leadership with there's books on leadership. But the truth of the matter is, is that if we exclude our own leader, what do we have to offer to people without Christ? And something that no one ever says is, oh, we love to say there's toxic leaders, but we don't like to say there's toxic followers. 
But can I tell you something? There's a lot of toxic, not just leadership, but followership. A lot of people, they follow in a very toxic way. They follow Monday and Thursday and Sunday, but the other days they're in charge. They follow part-time or half-time or quarter-time. They, they follow, but only what they liked, like about, uh, about what the leader is saying. And then the other things they don't like, then they dismiss that. And then when the plan of the leader doesn't go well, they criticize the leader. That's toxic followership. We need to follow Jesus to the fullest. Somebody say amen. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to lead us into life and life uh, uh, to the fullest, to the fullest. Hallelujah. Anybody here want life to the fullest? Well, we need to follow to the fullest. And if we just follow Jesus, life will be blessed. It may not always be easy. But Jesus was the perfect leader, the perfect ruler, the perfect governor. It does not guarantee an easy life. But I want to say this one more time. But it does guarantee, the Bible guarantees if we follow God, we will make an impact. In other words, your life will really make a difference. Okay, we will bear fruit and fruit that will last. And we will have eternal rewards and eternal rest. And it's better to live for that day than just to live for today. Somebody say amen to that. Hallelujah. Every year I like to quote Napoleon when we talk about leadership. Can I put this up? And then I want to just close this point in a very practical way. So look at what Napoleon said. He said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Upon this, this, this ungodly and in many cases wicked and harsh imposition of force on nations and masses of people. History reveals that. But here's what he says. Jesus founded his empire on love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Yes, he wants to lead, but he leads by love, not by force. We need to understand that. He's a different kind of leader. He's the best kind of leader. And we don't follow him perfectly, but as long as we're willing to follow as long as we're willing to say, Jesus, you're my Lord, and I want you to be in charge of my choices, especially beginning with my moral choices, then everything is better and more at rest inside of your soul. You know, Herod is a key player in, in this passage of scripture because a lot of people don't know that even though Herod looks like a, a mean and nasty guy in this passage, and he would go on to kill uh, 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 potentially hundreds or thousands of babies. I don't know exactly how many babies, but he would do that because Herod, even though, listen, he was generous to Israel. He was a Roman. He was not a Jew, but he was generous 
to, to Israel. He was a great builder. He brought peace. He was uh, one of the only rulers of Palestine from Rome that did all of these great things. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. He was really nice, but don't mess with his rulership. Don't mess with his authority. He was like, uh, I'll do lots of good for the people, but nobody takes my seat of power. Herod is actually put there, I believe, to show us that we could be really nice guys. We could be nice people, and yet this internally becomes where the real battle for, for your life and your soul takes place. Herod, Herod said, I will be king and I will snuff out anyone who takes away my king, kingship. And so it doesn't matter if people think you're good. The real issue is, is when it comes to, to your relationship with Jesus, is he really Lord or isn't he? Because Jesus came to be the Lord, he came to be the ruler, he came to guide. But remember, he did it with a loving heart with our, for our good, for our benefit. And so look, a great prayer to pray is, great prayer to pray is Jesus take charge of my life. Take charge oh Lord, of, of how I live. Be my leader. Be my ruler. You know, um, there's a, a brother in our, in our church, actually, who's really successful, and he was doing so well in his career um, when he was young, when he was young, he's still young, but he was doing so well at a certain point and he told me this story and I have found this with, with the really successful guys. I have found that successful Christian people manage this, this uh, they, they, they develop this ability to do so many great things and yet deep on the inside, they have an ear for God that says, Lord, I want to follow you. And um, so make a long story short, he told me this story of how the Lord, at the peak, his career was really peaking, the Lord said to him, I want you to take a year off and just uh, study my word. I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that you should do this. This, is, this is, leads us into the second point here. But he had the courage, the faith to because he knew that he knew that he heard from God. And he confirmed that in his own way that he had heard from God. And we've talked about that. Um, there's, a, there's a confirmation process. So I'm not encouraging people to do crazy things out of your zeal for God. Remember, zeal without knowledge, it, it leads to foolishness. But get what I'm trying to say. He like heard from God and the Lord told him, take off. And he read the Bible every day. He was like from nine to 12. He read the Bible, then he spent time with his family. And the Lord blessed him out of his career. And then he blessed him back into his career. And he, he did so many and has done lots of incredible things. But it's been plain and simple. Jesus, you're my leader. 
And it's never, it, no matter what we accomplish on this planet, just know it's not because we are so smart or gifted. It's because of the kindness and the mercy and the favor of God. And we are our best when we say, Jesus, just be my leader. How many want Jesus to be your leader? I'm telling you right now, that is the best life when we say, Jesus, just be my leader. Be the ruler of my life. I want to I wanna walk on your pathway. Which leads me to point two, because remember, Jesus came to be the ruler but also, he says, out of you, a ruler will come who will also shepherd my people. And what a shepherd does is he cares and he guides the sheep. So Jesus, when, when, when uh, uh, you're on that journey, we understand that Jesus came to guide us. Everybody say, guide me, Jesus. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct our lives. He could have portrayed himself in so many different ways, but he chose to be a shepherd. Jesus wants to gently, continually guide us in the right direction, even when we might be going uh, uh, off. He wants to steer and guide us. You know, in, in Psalm 23, the Bible says, his rod and his staff, they comfort us. So, Jesus, the shepherd, is like a regular shepherd. A shepherd carries a rod, which is a which is a a, a, a stick in a sense, and a staff, which is a little bit bigger. Some of them would have kind of like a hook on them. And let's talk about the staff first. So uh, what the shepherd does is he's trying to guide the sheep. To, to where they're going to rest, to where they're going to drink water, where they're going to eat. He's, he's looking at them, making sure they're not getting infected by, in different ways. He's also trying to uh, protect them from wolves. And sometimes sheep start to wander. They don't have very good eyesight. They start to wander. And sometimes he'll take the staff and he will yank them or nudge them so that they get back on track. You understand? Sometimes uh, um, they, they, uh, they are just progressively or consistently wanderers and he might go by and he might give them a little whack so that they get back on track. And, you know, people are like, man, I don't like to get a little whack, but sometimes a little whack can help, you know. And then there's even an extreme case uh, history records that, that sometimes if a sheep wanders too much, too much, sometimes literally the shepherd will go and break one of the legs of the sheep and carry them himself for a while so that the sheep learns to, to uh, uh, just stay with the shepherd. Now, am I trying to paint this picture of Jesus, you know, ready to whoop you into shape? No, I'm not doing that. But what I am saying is Jesus wants to lead us and to guide us. And you know what? Sometimes we step into hardship and difficulty of our own free will. And seasons like this and moments like this and messages like this might be for us to say, hey, 
How did I get here? And, and let me not forget that there is a loving, kind shepherd who wants to pick us up and carry us, even if you need to be carried, even if your legs are broken today, Jesus will carry you no matter how far astray. He leaves the 99 and he goes after us and he wants to carry us and lead us and guide us and teach us how to walk and teach us how to follow. And when we walk and when we follow, we become Powerful for the glory of God. It's amazing how much God wants to use every single person watching online in this room. It's amazing. He has a plan. He's not just a ruler, but he's a glorious, gentle shepherd. And I'll close with this, two quick things. I just want you to know that, and I've said this a lot lately because I feel like people are making very kind of impulsive decisions as of late. And it's, it's really found in, in scriptures, in, in the scripture, in, in a very deep and clear way. But look, how does Jesus guide us? Here it goes again. He guides us by his word. If, if you're making a decision that violates, or goes against the word of God, I'm telling you right now, it's not God's will. Okay, he guides us by his spirit's witness. The spirit bears witness. Always look for witness, especially with big life-changing decisions. Don't orchestrate conversations so that you get the answer that you want. Actually do the reverse and watch the Holy Spirit bear witness. It's powerful. He can literally bend people to the will of God. Then uh, obviously, he guides us through his people. There's key people in your life. Look, the shepherd speaks through his under shepherds. He speaks through parents. He speaks through godly friends. He came to guide us in multiple ways. Jesus is always trying to guide his children. Lastly, his providences, which is kind of what I was talking about. Sometimes there are things going on that cause us to, to look, at, look at what God is doing and what he wants to do. Don't read into it. Just say, what is it that you want me to do? Providences mean the things that are happening in your life. Are you really being led by God? It's a good question. And I'll, I'll, I'll end with, with this fundamental principle. So look. When you look at the life of the disciples, right? And what was true to them today is true here in the city of Chicago. It's true in Philadelphia. It's true on any, uh, uh, any, any place on the planet. This is the truth, okay? Because we live in a dark, imperfect world. When the disciples were walking on the earth, they were living in a world that was um, holistically unjust, ungodly. It was a cruel and wicked and sinful world, okay? Yet, life was simple because the one who they chose to make their ruler and their shepherd was holistically, totally righteous and just and fair and loving. 
And what they did is they just followed Jesus and they waited for his plan to unfold. And his plan was not necessarily to go up against governments and to, and to uh, fight for power. His plan was very, very different. And, and it was almost by this one-on-one, -on -one, each one reached one plan. They literally turned the world upside down. They have affected this world in so many powerful ways. Let me give you a quote uh, from, a, from a, a book that if you really want to see the impact of Christianity, you should look this uh, uh, book up. It's by uh, Alvin Schmidt is the author. I'll give you the title in a moment, but look at what he says. He says, unlike the leaders of these and other religious movements, Jesus was no political figure. He had no connection with Herod or the Sanhedrin, he took no political action. His disciples were relatively uneducated, yet he changed, he changed millions more than Alexander the Great, Muhammad, and Napoleon put together. It all happened because his message and his physical resurrection transformed his early followers who did not pick up the, the sword to defend themselves, even doing brutal persecutions, but rather they went about spreading his love and the need for his forgiveness by word and deed to all, regardless of race, sex, ethnicity, poverty, or wealth. Alvin Schmidt, how Christianity changed the world. You should, in, in, in so many different fields, he goes through and he talks about through this kind of one-on-one -on -one journey, Christianity has impacted, uh, um, we're talking about major um, aspects of society. I want to list a few and then we're going we're gonna to close. So Christianity has impacted human rights, Okay, if you look at the roots of human rights, you can see in so many places where Christianity was right there in the beginning. I had the privilege of going to Rome. I stood right at the Colosseum where they used to have these, these um, matches of gladiators where think of, imagine instead of people watching a baseball game or, or a basketball game to see who's gonna win, who has the best score, they would literally pack into this incredible structure, this stadium to see whether men would kill other men or animals or whether animals would kill men and they would cheer for murder. That's what the New Testament was. And little by little, this one-on-one -on -one powerful message of love and forgiveness and of there is a new Lord, there is a new way of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They stopped the, gladi the, the gladiator mess, uh, matches uh, in Rome because of Christians. They've impacted human rights. They started education all over the world. This Christianity is responsible for hospital, hospitals and healthcare all over the world. Societal wellness and infrastructure. You can find, trace its roots back to simple Christians, people just like you and me, who followed God's plan and just did God's will. Everybody say God has a plan. Yes. Now I want you to say it one more time. I want you to say God has a plan for me. Yes.
It's a beautiful plan. It's a glorious plan. It's a powerful plan. Okay, but how does it begin? It begins with the person of Christ. It begins with making Jesus not just your savior. He didn't come just to be our savior. He came to lead us and he came to guide us. Jesus came to be our ruler and our shepherd. The greatest day of your life. You know, when someone says, I need a new start, an authentic, true new start takes place when you make Jesus your ruler and your shepherd, your Lord and your savior. This applies to you whether you've never had a relationship with Jesus, but it also applies to you whether you've been serving God for, for I don't know, almost 40 years like I have. See, I have a, the, the ability to choose to do whatever I want to do when I leave here. I, God, God is not going to force your will, but when you offer your will to him, you offer your heart and your life, the most beautiful exchange takes place. That's what today's word is all about. It's about starting a journey with Jesus.